Wow. That's just a great song. There's no two ways about it. Just praise this one who paid our debt and raised our lives up from the dead. It's like, um, I wish everybody could understand that in this whole world. You know, you see that young man that was in the screen just a little while ago? I mean, doesn't your heart, my heart just bleeds for that guy. I just, I think he's just looked like such a sweet guy. I just want to have him over for a bite to eat and just kind of befriend him and all of that. And and I thank God for the ministry that they had, uh, these men have uh, with these people on the campuses. It reminded me of a place in Scripture that Jesus Christ came before Pilate. Let me read this to you. It's just off the cuff. It just has nothing to do except it has everything to do with that video, which I just fell in love with. I fell in love with that young man. And and he came and and Pilate uh, came and he summoned Jesus Christ to himself. This was during the trial. And uh, he asked him a simple question. Are you the king of the Jews? Simple enough. And Jesus said, are you saying this on your own initiative or did someone say this about me? Pilate says, I'm not a Jew, am I? He said, your own nation, your chief priests, they've delivered you up to me. What have you done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. He says, if my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting that I might be delivered up from the, or to the Jews, but as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Pilate therefore then said to him, So you are a king. Jesus said, You've answered correctly. I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into this world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my, my voice. Pilate simply said, what is truth? It just breaks your heart. Or does mine. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart when people want to push back from the wonderful truth of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ because of an agenda. Because of maybe the way they were raised. Because of, of maybe their religious background. And instead of taking a look at the scriptures, instead of taking a look at what is right before them without any agenda, just to see what is truth. They push it away. They push it away. That's why what we do here at this church, to be very, very sincerely honest with you, this is why we teach this and this alone. We have no other agenda. We have no other hoops that we ask anyone to jump through. We, we teach the Word of God because it is the Word of God that will make you into the person that God has created you to be. The more and more you know this, the better off you are. And so we want to teach it so that both you and myself, we can know and understand the Word of God. And understand what it is that God has asked us to live like. What does He want from us? What does He expect from us out in the world? You know He has a purpose for every single one of us. You've come to Christ, you have a spiritual gift. You have a spiritual gift, He has given it to you to use within the family of God so as to build up, to encourage, to, to make all of us as... as as full and as enriched as we can possibly be. And so what is truth? It's why we open our doors. It's why we have church. So as that you and I might be able to understand truth, as the Bible teaches it. And so we don't vary. We don't vary from what our Lord uh, uh, taught long ago when He taught the disciples and the apostles. 
And they taught people, and then we teach on and on it goes. It's, it's never changed. It's never changed. Truth. Our Lord says He is the same yesterday, today, and yes, forever. So we try to teach that. We are in now First Peter, the fifth chapter, and I want to confess to you that I've, uh, for the first time in my ministry life, I've manipulated trying to get through the Bible. Um, uh, I'm trying to stretch it. I'm, I'm confessing to you because it's, it's bothering me at home. Uh, if I finish today, then I have three more weeks. What do I do with the other three? Uh, if I can make it stretch to the... To the end, and I've done well, but I've, it's, I mean, how thin can I stretch this? Um, I don't know. So I'm having a problem. First time ever in ministry that I'm having this particular problem. I've always finished the book when it was done and moved on to the next. But I don't have a next to move on to. I'm, um, I'm kind of stopped, so to speak, a little bit. And uh, uh, so I, I'm, I'm in this dilemma, and, and I'm taking you with me. And, and if it seems that we're going really really, really super slow now. I ask your forgiveness because we're going really, really super slow right now. (laughs) It's the first time I've admitted it, but it's the truth. Um, In the past couple of weeks, we've been learning from Peter about attributes. Attributes that could change your and my spiritual lives. Now, Peter has taught us something very specific in this book of 1 Peter. As you well know from the very beginning, for those of you that have been with us, you know from the very beginning he was talking about those who were suffering, those who were going through difficulties. Because what had happened at first in the writing of 1 Peter, Nero was burning down Rome and he was blaming it on the Christians, especially the Jewish Christians, and they were being persecuted so much so that they had to leave Rome. And Peter wrote this book so as to comfort them in their trials and tribulations, allowing them to know that God has not given up on them. Don't think that. And so he is now ending this great book from verse 4 to verse 14, giving us one, let's see, one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten. I knew that before. Ten attributes. We have looked at submission, humility, trust, self-control, being alert, standing firm in our faith, which leads us the final four. And that is today we'll look at hope, and then there will be worship, faithfulness, and of course, we end with love. And so I want you to read with me 1 Peter chapter 5, just one verse. I'm sorry. Um, actually, I'm not, because it really is a, a, an enriching um, verse. It is. It it does cover the topic and it does cover what we need to talk about. But even at my pace, this one verse is slow. I'll give you that. Peter writes these words in verse 10. After he says, you have suffered for a little while. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen and establish you. As you can see, what Peter is doing is he's talking about the the original uh, theme of this book, suffering. And so he writes here in verse 10, as he's near the very end of his book, that 
if after you have suffered for a little while, God, who has given you His grace, who called you into His eternal glory in Christ, His Son, He will personally perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Great, great promises. Let's, let's pray and let's ask God to teach us what is this all about. Father, I, I do ask you that. I do ask that you will teach us. I pray, Father God, that, uh, that I do not get in the way of what you want to say. So I beg of you, Father, to move me out of the way so that, that we will clearly hear from your heart. That's what we want, Father. We want you to open up our eyes. Open up our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, everything about us, so that we might behold wonderful things that come from your word. Teach us, dear Father. Teach us as only you can. Thank you for people who have come back to visit. And I pray you'll bless David, Alice. I pray all the others that have come. Uh, it's very kind that they would come and say hello. And uh, now, Father, bless us as we... Uh, move forward in this study in Jesus most precious name amen what peter is saying is it is with great hope that the god of all grace as it says here in verse 10 will accomplish in your life what he has promised he himself peter says is going to perfect you he himself peter says is going to confirm you and strengthen you. And finally, He will establish you. Now here's the problem. And, and this needs to be taught often because there are so many of us who are young in our faith and so many of us who, who, who try to, to manipulate God to move at our, at our pace, at our schedule. Um, that doesn't always happen. And Peter taught us that here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses was it 5 and 6 or 6 and 7? It is five and, 6 and 7. He taught us that. He said these words. Excuse me. What, was the, what, did, what did he make? Those, those, uh, you didn't get any of the... If you weren't here for breakfast, you didn't get... What are they called? Cinnamon rolls. Good Lord, I just tasted it again. How gross is that? <clears throat> but it was worth it even the second time. <laughs> He taught you and me, Peter did, so that we would not be confused by, by this whole timing of God. In, in 1 Peter 5, verse 6, he says, Humble yourself, right, under the mighty hand of God, right, so that He might exalt you when? 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 At the proper time. That proper time is not your proper time. It's His, pro his proper time. Knowing that you and I would become anxious over waiting upon God, humbling ourselves under His mighty hand so that He'll exalt us at the proper time, He then says, next verse, cast all your anxieties on Him. And the reason you can cast all of your anxieties on Him is because what? He cares for you. Now that's either true or it's not. And the sooner you and I come to understand that God, even in the midst of difficulties, even in the midst of trials that we might be going through or they'll come our way or we've been through, when we, can, when we can understand without a shadow of a doubt that He cares for us, you've got the hope, the hope that is needed 
to move along in your faith, our faith. And so this is going to be a, a tremendous little journey in the next uh, 30 minutes or, or less that's going to teach us about hope. Hope is because God ultimately cares for us. Now, Paul, if you jump back with me to Romans chapter 4 and kind of put a, a marker in Romans because we're going to go back to Romans chapter 8 in a moment. But let's look at Romans chapter 4. It's to the left. It's not that far. It's uh, If you get to First or Second Corinthians, after First Corinthians comes Romans. And look at chapter 4. Paul clearly shows us the promises of God and the hope that we have in His promises. And he uses Abraham. And he uses the, the, the issue of Abraham when God had promised Abraham a son. And Abraham was getting older by the day. And so it says in chapter 4 of Romans, verse 18, In hope against hope, Abraham believed. You see, everything looked impossible at this time for Abraham, humanly speaking. Hope against hope, Abraham believed so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. God made him this promise. So he says, in hope against hope, Abraham believed that he would become a father of many nations. Look at verse 19. Without Becoming weak in faith, Abraham contemplated his own body now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah, that's his wife's womb, she's in her nineties. God had promised them a child. Now what? Yet, it says in verse 20, great key word, yet, with respect to the promise of God, Abraham, this is key, did not waver in unbelief. He had hope. He had hope in the promises of God. But rather, look at the rest of verse 20, he grew strong in faith, giving God the glory. Giving glory to God really is the right way of reading that. He gave glory to God. Being fully assured, here's the hope that he has, that what God had promised God was, able, was also able to perform. Now you and I have got to come to that place in our lives. And it doesn't come just because you're a believer. It comes over a time of exercising your faith muscle and your hope muscle and believing what God has promised He will perform. He'll do it. You've got to hope in Him. And because which is really a, a kind of a key verse. It's like a, a rainbow that floats above the rest of, of, of verses uh, 18 to 21. Verse 22 appears. And because of Abraham's faith and hope against hope, it was accredited, verse 22, to Abraham as righteousness. Righteousness. You see, you and I, if you've come to Christ, if you've trusted Him as your Lord and Savior, you have the righteousness of Christ flowing throughout your body. And when God looks at you, He does not see you and He does not see me. He sees the righteousness of Christ flowing through us because of our faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. And because of that, He sees us as righteous before Him and He, he gives us eternal life. 
If he only saw your or my righteousness, which the Bible says we have none, we were dead in the water. And so because of Abraham's hope and faith, God credited to him as righteousness. Now I want you to see something about hope that is critical, absolutely critical. Uh, on the way back to First Peter, oh wait, put a, put a marker in, in Romans. We're going to come to Romans 8 back in a moment. And one of, the, one of the most precious verses in all of Scripture in my mind. But I want you to turn with me on the way back to First Peter and stop in Hebrews chapter 11. The writer of Hebrews talks about faith and hope. And he, he brings it down to our level, in my opinion. He says in chapter 11, verse 1, Faith is the assurance of things, note, hoped for. Faith is the assurance of the things that you and I have hoped for. It is, faith, the conviction of things we've not yet seen. That's a great verse. Faith is the assurance of the things that we have hoped for. And what we hope in are the promises of God. And what God promises, He is also able to perform. Might not be on your timetable though. You might have to wait. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He'll exalt you, yes, He will. But at the proper time. So in the meantime, cast all your anxieties on Him. Never doubt that He cares for you. So He says here, faith is the assurance of things that you and I have hoped for. It's the conviction of things we have not yet seen. And then six verses later, in verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11, is the key. It is like amazing. Because we are told without faith, this faith that you and I have, it's impossible to please God. Faith is the key that opens up every door to the whole mysteries of God. Hope and faith. Because he says, the one who comes to God, I'm still in verse 6 of Hebrews 11, the one who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Some of the key words in this are seeking. It, it, is, it is one thing to know God. It's one thing to come to church. It's a whole nother ball game to seek him with your life, with, with your, your lifestyle. To make Him a part of the things that you do in your life. It would be a great practice to try to narrow things down where you... Uh, we're moving. <laughs> so we are getting rid of stuff. My wife loves to get rid of stuff. When she throws it, I go look through the garbage and say, Oh, wait, wait, I need that. Oh, and I need that. I hate throwing things away. And God wants you and me to... Get rid of that stuff that we don't need and boil it down to the very essence of life. To understand how to live for Him and, and to live for Him in such a way that you have made Him a priority in your life. So He wants to reward those of us who seek Him. Seek Him. It's key. Now the rewards are myriad. The rewards that God wants to pour out in your life and my life Myriad. But here, Peter tells us four of the rewards that he wants to pour out on your life through the hope that you have in Christ 
and he himself will fulfill it, is to perfect you, to confirm you, to strengthen you, and to establish you. That's a promise from God. What God has promised, he will also perform. So it's just a matter of time. When will he do these things in your life and my life? Our hope in God, folks, is the most... Is, is, it comes through His most marvelous Word. That's why I said earlier, this is everything to us in the church. It's everything. We, look, I, I pray that we'll never change from the fact that we are a church that teaches the Word on God unashamedly. We have no other hoops that I know that we jump through. We do other things. We cook breakfasts and we have studies and we do all of that. But this is the essence of our church right here. Bottom line, this is it. Everything to us. And, and I, I'll never forget, I, I, I told you this story before. I'm, I'm going to say it again, I guess. Uh, yeah, no, I guess I am. Uh, one of my friends came to church and he never came with his wife. She didn't want to come because she went to a, a denomination. I won't tell you what denomination is, but it was a liberal, liberal, liberal. I mean, liberal. Just, it's a, it was of no value. No value. Might as well just join a country club. And so she didn't want to come to this church because she heard about me. And uh, she didn't want to come in here. And he brought her once. And he said, uh, I said, well, how did she like it? She said it was okay, but uh, she doesn't think she'll come back. Because all it is, she says, is a Bible study. <laughs> really? That's exactly what it is. It's a study of the Word of God. Church is to be a, a place where you and I learn about the, the intricacies of our God. And so that we have someone, like now we have Pastor Mark and Pastor David, who's going to teach you the wonders of God's Word. And they will bring forth the very essence. And we have young men like Michael. And we have a, a young man like the guy that came here last week, Steve Hogan, who will teach us the Word of God. And that's what we do here at this church. There's no, there's no, you know, we're not going to do a lot of stuff. And, and you should thank God for that. Absolutely, utterly thank God that this church is a church that teaches the Word of God. And I'm, I'm sure you do. You wouldn't be here for this long if you didn't. That's the truth. And so we're, we have this hope that, 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 that we, we, will, we will build into our lives and, and through our faith, as we just saw in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it would be impossible, utterly impossible, to please God. So hope is essential. It's critical in your life, in my life. It drove Abraham to do great things, to believe God in his hope against hope, knowing that he was, you know, unable to have children anymore at a hundred years old, yet because of his hope, God gave him righteousness and also his son. Hope is what provides every believer the confidence that even after the troubles, the difficulties, the trials of life, we can still count on God to glorify and to bless us. Now I want you to turn back, please, if you would, to Romans. This time chapter 5, and then we're going to look at chapter 8. So just stay here for a moment. We'll come back to 1 Peter, but in the meantime, I want to, I want to share some things about hope. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, it says, Hope does not disappoint. Well, you can see why I turned you there. Hope does not disappoint. Because, here's why, the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit 
who has been given to us. So our hope is in the promises of God. Your hope, your hope, my hope is the same hope that Abraham had. What God promised, He will perform. That's God's promise. Hope in that. Now, look at Romans 8, verse 18. And then we'll stay there. Remember, this book, 1 Peter, was written about suffering. Paul says these words concerning going through trials, waiting upon the promises of God. Paul says, I consider... Are you there? Romans 8, 18. I don't know if I said the verse. Forgive me if I didn't. Romans 8, 18. Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed. You know, in the first service, we have Joe. Joe, if you don't know, he comes to the first service all the time. He's in a wheelchair. And he is about as alive as any man I've ever known. I just love Joe. And when I read this verse, Joe just out loud gave an Alvin type of amen to it. Because he considers the suffering that he's going through right now in that wheelchair not to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to him one day. And I I said to him in that service, and I say to you guys that I'm going to dance with Joe in heaven. I can't wait to dance with Joe in heaven. Anyways, the trials that you and I go through, the hope that we have should not be lost. Now I'm going to read you something that I read frequently when I'm going through difficulties. And it's in Romans chapter 8 and it starts with verse 31. It's almost like a mantra to me. It's almost something that I, it's a fallback on. I, uh, I love to read these words because it's amazing what Paul writes. Listen to verse 31. He says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, now that's in and of itself enough. If God's for you, who in the world can be against you? The answer is nobody. But he says that this this God who is for you did not spare, verse 32, did not spare His own Son, but delivered His Son over for us all, how will He not also with Him freely give us all things? Who, he says in verse 33, is going to bring a charge against God's elect? You and me. God's the one who justifies. In other words, when it goes to before trial, it goes to our Lord, and, and He's the one who justifies. But not only that, it says in verse 34, who is the one who's going to condemn you and me? Jesus Christ is He who died. Yes, rather, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes from us. I, I've heard that, that the scene in, in heaven is, would, would seem to be something like this. I don't know. I've never seen it. I just have heard people preach this. But it, it's like when, the, when Satan comes before God and accuses the brethren, accuses you or me of sin, Jesus Christ, they say, immediately stands up because He is our advocate, the Bible says. And He stands up before God and says, I died for that sin. And the, the, the Lord then says, not guilty. And Jesus goes to sit down until Satan accuses someone else and Jesus stands up, if you're a believer, and He says, I died for that sin. 
Jesus says not guilty. I mean, God says not guilty. You see, Jesus Christ is he who died. Yes, he who was raised from the dead. He who sits at the right hand of God. He is the one who intercedes for you and me. Now listen, it's like a, it's like a waterfall, the rest of these verses. Just listen. Verse 35, who is going to separate you from the love of Christ? Will tribulation? How about distress? How about persecution or famine? How about nakedness or pearl or sword? Just as, it is, just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long and we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But, verse 37, but in all these things we I love how Paul writes this. I mean, it's not we conquer. Paul says we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. And then Paul writes a word that is very familiar to him. I am convinced, Paul said. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor heights nor depths, nor any other created thing is going to be able to separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I've been, I, just was, I just felt almost compelled to say, if you're visiting and you do not know Jesus Christ, that's who He is. Trust Him with your, your life. Trust Him with your eternal life. Trust Him. What's going to separate you? What are your fears, folks? Nothing can nor nothing ever will separate you from the love of Christ if you are a child of His. If you've asked Him into your heart to forgive you of your sin. Peter calls God in verse 10. If you want to turn back to 1 Peter chapter 5, please do. But you might want to mark a place in your Bible with Romans 8 when you need to, need to be just showered by the love of God. In chapter 5 of 1 Peter, the verse, verse 10, Peter calls God the God of all grace. <clears throat> Paul calls God the God of all comfort in 2 Corinthians 1, 3. God promises both His grace and His comfort, not only in the sky by and by, but right here and now, in the present time. And how does He do this? <clears throat> I'm sorry, i got a little catch in my throat. If you promise not to sell, I got a what do they call those things like there? Thank you. Sorry. God promises his grace and his comfort right now in the present. And how does he do this? The promises of God are confirmed through hope and through faith. For instance, you don't need to turn there. Just listen and mark it. His second Thessalonians three three. He says, the Lord is faithful. That we know. And he will strengthen and protect you. That we believe from the evil one. That is a fact of the word of God. What God has promised, he will also perform. Well, here in verse 10, Peter describes the promises that God says he will give to those of us who know and love him. He will perfect us. He will confirm us. He will strengthen us. He will establish us. He will do these things so that our walk with Him matches our talk. I mean, there's nothing worse than a Christian that blah, 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 all about Christ, blah, 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 and you watch them live out in the world and they're just not living it. These things will help you and me live it. 
First, He's going to perfect you and me. That's His job, not ours. He Himself will do it. Listen to this great hope that you and I have in Christ. One of my... I've got so many favorite verses. I, I, I ask your forgiveness that I say this too much. But it's one of the places in Scripture that I, I, when I write a letter to someone, I'm, I normally write down Philippians 1, 3 through 6. It basically says this, I thank my God in all my remembrances of you. When I'm there in Oregon, you can bet your dollar, you can bet your, you don't bet as a believer, do you? You can, uh, <laughs> you can uh, be assured that this will be what I'll be praying for you. I will remember the wonderful times that we've had here in this, this building and other places. Man, and I'll remember that beautiful smile of yours. Dude, you got it. No wonder you have such a pretty wife. I thank my God and all my remembrances of each one of you. Now listen to what Paul says. I will always be offering up prayers with joy in my every prayer for you all. You can bet your boots. There I went and did it again. But you can be assured that when I wake up on a Sunday morning, the first thing that's going to come to my mind will be this church. And I'll thank God for its remembrances and I'll be praying for you. That God will bless you mightily. He says, I'm going to do this in view, verse 5, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. We've done that. We've done that by the grace of God. Then Paul says that famous word that he loves to say, I am confident. He says, Paul says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, here it is, will perfect it until the day of Christ. What God has begun in your life, what God has begun in your life, what God is be doing in my life, He is perfecting it until the day of Christ. And I am growing and growing and growing, and so are you, if you eagerly wish to seek Him and have hope in Him and trust in Him and have faith in Him, because without our faith, it's impossible for us to please God. So He is confident, Paul is, that of this very thing, that God who began this good work in you is going to perfect it until the day of Christ. He is the one who does it? You don't have to do it. You just seek Him with your heart. Well, let me just read this, and then I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me read to you James. It says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your face will produce endurance, and endurance will have its perfect result, so that you might be, here it is, perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. That's God's job to perfect you and me. He also confirms within us this very essence of who He is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, this is a, a precious place in the Word of God. Listen to Paul. He says, I thank God. He's, he starts this place off in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 4, much like he does Philippians 1 3. He says, I thank my God always concerning you. For the grace of God which was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in, note, everything, that in everything, Paul says, you were enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are lacking in nothing. You are, lack, you are not lacking in a gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord, who will also, here it is, confirm you to the end. Not only confirm you to the end, but confirm you to the end blameless. Blameless, folks. In the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You believe God in His, 
His Word says that you have been confirmed in Him and He and He only finds you blameless because of the righteousness that is flowing through your body because of Christ's. He not only does that, will He perfect you and confirm you, He also will strengthen you and me. Strengthening and establish are very close to the same thing in the Greek. Strengthen is... It's, it depends upon God and God alone to do it. Listen to what he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2. He says, I sent you Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith. It is the gospel. It is this, the teaching of the word of God that will strengthen you. Nothing else. Nothing else will make you strong as the word of God will. Get to know it. Get to understand it. Study it. Make it a habit to, if you, if you can, get a Bible where you feel comfortable writing in it when you take notes when, when Mark will be teaching you. And you can write down things that you learn from the Word of God. I, uh, I would really encourage you to do that. And Peter closes out these blessings by saying that the Lord God Himself will not only strengthen, but will establish you. And in Romans 16.25, he tells us how. He says, to him who is able to establish you and me. How? According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. You see, key to a church, to any church, every church, is the teaching of the Word of God. It will do what God has asked it to do. It will perfect you. It will confirm you. It will strengthen you. And it will establish you in the faith. Paul tells us to be on the alert and stand firm. He says that in 1 Corinthians. In, in Ephesians, he says, Be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. And I want to close with this prayer by Paul for you and for me. Uh, you can either turn to Ephesians chapter 3 and read it with me, or you can just close your Bibles and listen as we pray. It's not often I pray a prayer from someone else's words, but this is from Paul whom I love with all my heart. And I pray this along with Paul for you, that Jesus Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. I pray that you stand in that truth, people. I pray that you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your might. I pray that this church will flourish. I'll be here for three more weeks. I'm not saying my goodbyes yet, except that I'm just doing it incrementally because the last day is going to be a mess. You might just want to come and watch me cry. Not like you've not seen me cry before. Anyways, a uh, couple things. We're going to have prayer over here as soon as uh, the service is over. If you need any prayer requests, anything that we can pray for you about, please come forward to these dear people and they'll pray with you. Secondly, uh, Pastor Mark is having a, a meeting upstairs. Uh, we have pizza. Can't beat that. And he's going to speak to us a little bit and get to know him a little bit. So if you have the time after this service, just go upstairs and uh, follow your noses. You'll be able to smell the pizza, I believe. And uh, enjoy Pastor Mark. Um, Thank you for everything you mean to me.
every single one of you. Thanks for coming. It's very kind of you. Father, we want to thank you for this day. Thank you for men like Paul and Peter and John and James and Matthew and all those dear, dear men who gave of their hearts and their lives, Father, to, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we, right now, would be able to understand what is the, the breadth and the depth, the height and, and everything about your word, Father, so that we could love you and understand you. We would be confirmed and, and we would be um, strengthened and established and uh, confirmed, perfected. Father, in Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you all more than life itself. Thank you so much for being here. Have yourselves a great day.